we invited Dave to speak intentionally. We wanted uh, we wanted to hear hear him speak about God's word, but we also wanted to hear about the Dave and Ruth and uh, hear from the shape of, hear about the shape of their marriage and their ministry. And so, can you tell us the Dave and Ruth story? Maybe uh, let's hear it from yeah. from Dave or Ruth. We met at New College at New South Wales Uni, um, but I remembered seeing him once before because um, when we were at a Year Eleven camp. Um, so we both came from completely different schools, but there, there were a few schools at this camp. So I remember seeing him do some stupid skits. Um, and anyway, a few things that were yeah, fairly unforgettable. Um, and so he didn't know me, but I recognised him when I saw him at university. Um, yeah. So we, we talked together um, the first night we were there, and I went there thinking um, I'd grown up in, um, on Lake Macquarie, and... Um, um, I wanted to go to Sydney to go to university so I could find a church. That was my aim. Um, and so that, you know, I knew I'd be able to find one there. The first night, um, we were getting to know different people that were moving into the college and we were actually having a bush dance at the time and we, we were near each other at that time. And they said, would anyone like to go to church tonight? And I'm like, okay. And so we both said, oh, yep. Yeah. And so that's when we both went off to church then, ended up sitting next to each other, so they ended up in the same Bible study group. Um, yes. So the rest is history. Yeah. So how many how many years ago was that? That was that was a long time ago. Um, yeah. Eighty eight. Yeah. And you've been married now for twenty one years. Is that right? Great. Uh, can you tell us what is what's the shape of marriage and ministry look like at the moment? So what's an average week for the the Sheaf family? Well, we have three children now. Um, our eldest is seventeen. He's just finished Year Eleven exams yesterday. Um, and we have a 15-year-old and then a 13-year-old. So, um, yeah, they keep us busy. Um, we're on, on um, ministering on Central Coast um, um, in church there. So I don't work um, for money, <laughs> work for the church. Um, yeah, anyway, that's a start. I think one of the helpful things that we, uh, that we do in interviews is, is to say, what, is it, what does a week look like? So you get a sense of how do you spend your time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, where are the what's the rhythm of it? Where are the high points, the low points? Yeah. How do you deal with the Monday morning? You know that was the worst sermon ever. Church attendance was you know ten percent down. I I am an optimist by I have very few down days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that that does help a bit. But yeah, like Monday morning we we just do something together as a staff because none of us feel very creative. But you know we sort of. Um, I suppose, spur each other on by having a staff meeting. We read the Bible together and we talk about the administrative stuff for the day ahead. Yep. Um, my week looks a lot... Early on, nights were dominated. Uh, now I'm not out at night as much, which is a great blessing, but um, that's partly because our kids are now teenagers and uh, we're sort of dealing with... They just don't go to bed till you know 11 o'clock at night. And so our time with our kids is now at... A lot of it is at night, whereas it used to be during the day and so on. So a number number of these guys have come out of established churches where they've been part of staff teams, uh, where they've been part of you know a number a number of people doing ministry in a context or a place. Uh, You came out of EV Church. You came out of a a you know a fairly large staff team into then planning a church by yourself. Um, How you know what was the shape of that then? How did how did it change? What were the things that you can remember that were were challenging and that also were really great about that. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I was never part of EV Church, although I love EV Church. It's a great church. See, Andrew, Andrew Heard was my MTS worker when we were in... Well, our MTS worker when we were in first year 
uh, university. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, and so we've had a connection over those years, but we never, we were never part of EV, EV Church. Okay. We were at um, uh, Christchurch Gladesville, yep. and uh, came up, and there was a bunch from EV that uh, connected in with us as we started. Yeah, okay. uh, so the the difference between uh, being in that sort of team ministry at Gladesville and being on our own is uh, the weight of responsibility is a big one, um, and uh, I, I really think. In the early days of planning a church, as many of you know, um, you really you're almost doing everything that's going on, and there's a deliberateness to that as well, uh, holding things very tight because you don't know yet who who to trust, and you also want to create a really good culture. So out, so I was flat out all the time, every night. Uh, it was a really intense period of ministry, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'd come out of this context where I, I thought I thought I was busy as this you know assistant pastor, and I was you know in Gladesville, but just that weight of responsibility of preaching every week and uh, having to get to know everyone and being part of this thing that was growing quite quickly, but we just didn't have the resources of leaders you know underneath. To, so that was a really time intense period, yep. and it had obvious impacts on our marriage. Now. And I'm not saying it was devastating impacts, but uh, you know, it puts pressure on And you can share some of that. So, um, yeah, so at that time, I, I used to liken it a bit to being like a single mum, and I think it is. And you know that on Sundays anyway, don't you, when you've, you've got to look after the babies at, at church and anyway, as well as running kids' church or whatever it is you're doing at the same time. Um, yeah, so, and I think that's, yeah, that's, it is, there's a lot where the husband is out a lot Um I guess it's like that tag teaming thing um, that, that we were talking about yesterday, but with church as well as with kids. Um, yeah. So yeah, and we it involved a lot of our house as well, and a lot of you will have that as well. So the church office was in our house. Um, women's Bible study met in our house, and as it grew, it, it one we had three groups of women in the end, and one of them would meet in our bedroom, and um, the kids would be outside. Like everything was in our house. Because um, we don't have many community um, buildings around that can, we could use, so. Yeah. And so, how long did this go on for? Like, how long was this, you know, intense? You know, a couple of guys that haven't yet kicked off. A few people, eighteen months in. Some are three or four years in. How many years of this did you uh, endure? We still have um, one of the women's <laughs> Bibles that he meets at my house still on one of the days because there's just no other, nowhere else for it in the lounge room. Yes, we and we built a back deck so now because it used to rain every time it was time for women's bible study and, and we live on a swamp pretty much so um that meant everybody had to be inside so anyway yes yeah, so now they can be outside as well um yeah so that's less intense and we don't have the church office in our house anymore i actually liked having it in the house because it meant i heard things so when dave's really busy he can't um even, like even now if things are happening out there i don't always know everything now and and that's okay um but it was kind of nice that you did know stuff and so you didn't actually have to talk about everything because i could catch up quicker if you know what i mean because i had a vibe of what was going so i, I quite liked that yeah i didn't mind but it was killing me <laughs> um and the thing um it i went through a a personality change um, from being an extrovert to being an introvert. Mm. Um, and so, it's, well, sort of, you know, at, at different times. But when I'd have a... When, uh, when I'd... Uh, no, I'm gone. There you go. You can sort that out yeah. while I... Uh, when I'd have a day off, 
I would crave no contact with people, uh, and I just, uh, I just couldn't. So the idea of having church office in our house was just killing me, because if someone just wandered in and did a copying or something, it was just it really impacted me deeply, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I'd feel like I'd want to flee from our house or when. We had holidays, you know, because you've got groups meeting in your house. What do those groups do? And so sometimes the groups would still happen. And so I would just want to get as far away from home as possible. And so I just became... And, I, and it's, it's still carried on a bit. Like I, my holidays, I don't want to have holidays with other people and I don't want to have days off with other people. I just become very... It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ruth, so, so is that one? Of, is that one of the strategies? One of the strategies to is to uh, get away from from people as much as possible. Hmm. What are some of the other strategies that you found effective in those early years, where ministry? Yeah, so holidays are really important. So yeah, so we would go on holidays, and um, and we actually often went on holidays when our kids were little during school time. It's cheaper, <laughs> and um, so just take them out of school for the week or whatever. Um, it didn't ever do them any harm, and the teachers. You know, I don't know if you can do it as easily nowadays because it's more centralised. The kind of you know, anyway, whether they check up on you or whatever. But it was it was good, um, and yeah, it, we were talking about it before that because we'd go on holidays often in school time. We found that in holiday time, that's when you your rosters suddenly fall apart because everyone else has gone on holidays and they forget to tell you. Like we all often said in over Christmas, we don't take any holidays um, over the Christmas holidays because. It's on paper. It looks like it'll be fine, but it never is. Like you know, there's always gaps to fill, um, and so we don't know what they are, but there will be. And also, people have personal crises around Christmas as well. So that's when all the pastoral care people, you know, end up on your your doorstep on Christmas Eve and all that kind of thing. So um, yeah. So we yeah. So it was quite good to have holidays sometimes in um, school terms as well. And so planning when they would be and knowing as we went on, knowing the rhythms like that we were talking about yesterday of when it's going to, we will really, we always have a holiday at the end of November or beginning of December before that crazy time. Um, yeah, so anyway, like a week we have then, yeah. Yeah, no, no, well related to holidays, yeah, I think it is good to, I, I think it was good for us to clear them out of school holidays and to clear them out of the crises era, you know, the Christmassy sort of period, because um, you just give up that being a holiday time, uh, and then you can actually enjoy the time of year, you know, because there aren't Bible study groups on at the night, so you can you've got some space to enjoy that time, but you don't resent the interruptions that are almost certainly going to happen. Mm. So you just say, right, that's, okay, it's a work time of my life. Uh, and then you can actually uh, cope with it and enjoy it. I reckon yeah. Move, moving the office, the home office, out of you know out of out of home to an offsite place was that you know in hindsight would have been far better to do that from the start. Um, I know from your perspective, um, Ruth, it was really helpful to know what was going on. Um, yeah. Uh, no, not not necessarily. Um, I think it was fine. It was okay. I just had to you know I just had to clear out and. You know, find my own space. That was the way I cope with it. Yep. Um, but yet, we're just doing things so lean, so you're just you're just not trying to incur extra expenses. Cost, yeah. So, yeah, it was okay. And in terms of the the change in personality, was that something that you identified, or was that something that that Ruth kind of just went? <coughs> well, I identified. You know? I identify it because when you have to do those, you know, when I did my Geneva assessment and so on, I come out looking like an introvert. 
And, and I just think it's just, it's purely ministry that's done that to me. Um, because I have never been like that. But when I'm answering honestly the questions, I don't want to hang out with people in my spare time. And, and, and it's not that I don't like people. It's just that I have my fill during the week. Uh, and, and so many of my people relationships, people are wanting something from me and you just, you just feel drained. And so, and did, you probably noticed that. Do you want to comment on that? Oh, well, our days off when he was on MTS would still be full of people, but now that's, yeah, that's not the case. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. I mean, you have children as well, so that probably changes you anyway um, in terms of you're giving to them and as they get to teenage years, it's not just physical demands and, you know, not as easy to fix or whatever. So, yeah, that's more draining. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think another thing about planning a church, especially if you're going away, so, um, so we, um, we, um, went out, got married in Sydney, so we had a lot of friends in Sydney, we've gone away from Sydney, um, I remember meeting with some missionaries and talking with them about how it had been for them and things, and thinking, I think we're like missionaries, because we're away from the particular friends that we would meet with regularly if we could to support us, but we actually don't get to. And I suspect that we are less supported than a missionary in some ways because people don't have in their heads. So with a missionary, you think, oh, they're over there, wherever they are, um, and I should ring them. And when they come back, we'll catch up and, you know, that kind of thing and make that the time to do that. But when you're planning a church and you're not necessarily that far or whatever, people, you don't, you don't naturally do that or don't make the effort to do that. And so I think in some, so this is important, these kind of structures, which we didn't have when we started, um, which is why we started FYEC, I guess. But um, yeah, so yeah, you didn't have that support network quite the same. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, it's okay. We, we're fine. <laughs> yeah. So very, very challenging, very hard at the start. Mm. Now, you know, 10, 11 years on, light at the end of the tunnel, everything's nice, easy. Uh, you've, you've worked all these things out. Uh, how, how do you cope? What are the strategies you cope now with uh, now, now having a staff team, now having a larger church, now having a building program? Yeah. Um, what, you know, what does it look like now to cope with the, the stress of, of ministry and marriage? Um, oh, yes, there's different things. So we should, yeah, well, st- a staff team is a different thing. So, um, yeah, we started with an MTS worker and his wife, so we always had uh, other people around. But having more people on board and, and choosing the next person and that kind of thing is quite, you know, that's always tricky, trying to find somebody else. So they're, they're um, I don't know, do you want to say anything more about so, so Dave spends more time meeting with staff than he can with the, on the ground, you know, frontline stuff. So that changes again who you are, or not who you are, but you can't necessarily do the same ministry that you maybe wanted to as an evangelist kind of thing. So it does change some things again. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, you're then meeting with leaders and anyway, yeah, so as you know, that kind of changes. So conflict is something we thought we should talk to you about. Um, yeah. Do you want to start with that one? Yeah. Yeah, go. Oh, do you want me to start off talking about conflict? Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, you were going to ask me about conflict anyway. Uh, yeah. What's your question? For me? My, my, <laughs> my question is, uh, I, I was going to set it up with, you know, you've been yeah. through a bit of conflict in church life. Yeah. But, uh, how, how have you grown in, in managing conflict in the church? 
and then in managing it, managing it as a yeah. as a relationship, and yeah. as a marriage, and, and particularly as a husband, and then particularly as a, as a wife. So hearing obviously bad stuff about Dave, um, likewise, uh, you know, dealing with conflict with couples in the church. How does it yeah. impact you as a yeah. as a couple? Yeah. Well, um, throughout the whole process of of this, what have we done? Twelve years of um, in, into the church. Um, our marriage has been the best, one of the best parts of it all, because Ruth's the less, least complicated person in my life, and it's just lovely having someone who's not complicated, not got another agenda. Anyway, so it, it, I, I really, I really love our marriage. It's so important. Um, now the conflict. So um, you know, you come into this, and I've always been the happy-go-lucky sort of guy, you know, and, and the friendly guy. You know, everyone thinks Dave. You know, who could ever have a conflict with him? And then, then uh, when conflicts come, gee, it you know really deeply painful, and you sort of live in denial because you think, what is this really happening to me? And uh, what, uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the conflicts are really uh, are deeply painful, um, but our marriage was just like a really uh, God's word and our marriage were the two rocks that kept kept us going through that time. Um, if our marriage hadn't have been, you know, strong, I, I reckon I would have caved on the conflict. So I, one of the great things was just being able to debrief with Ruth and talk about some of the stuff that was going on. Um, yeah, how, tell us how you do that. How do you, how do you do it with small kids when you've got no time, and how do you do it now? Your kids are grown up. So how do you where do you get the time to actually do the debrief? Given you know life is was and still is yeah. so busy. Um, oh, we, we just make the time. But one of our key strategies is walks, going for walks. We do that, and we've done that ever since we were going out, and it is a really great part of our relationship. Uh, and so, Because going for a walk, it gets you out there, fresh air and all that sort of stuff, but also good context to walk, and it's not... Uh, sorry, to talk, and it's not as intense as sitting over a, you know, over a table having to look into each other's eyes. All right, so it's, so regular, going for regular walks has been great for us. And when the kids were young, we'd just you know, have them on the bikes riding ahead or whatever. Yep. Um, so that, um, yep, I can't remember your question, but that walks has been really good to the whole process. Uh, and, yeah. and so debriefing, yeah. So, I, I, um, but, so you've got to work out who you are and what type of people you are to work out how much you can debrief. Um, one of the great things about Ruth is I can, I can tell Ruth what's going on but be confident that it will not prejudice her in her relationships with other people in church uh, because once it does start prejudicing, uh, it, it really can go very bad, badly wrong. Um, so it was great to be able to debrief with Ruth but be confident that she would still you know, act in kindness and love and whatever to all the people involved. What I have seen in some people that go through conflict is the husband will come in, dump on his wife, she'll be feeling angry and embittered and he'll cruise on through and, and get over it you know, because that's the sort of guy he is. You know, he creates a, an explosion and then deals with it and moves on to the next explosion he's going to create. And the, and the wife is left with this compounding series of resentments mm-hmm. that is, is very, very destructive. Um, and so, so I'm really glad that Ruth is not that person and probably I'm not that person either. Yeah. So how have you done that, Ruth? Is, is that just who you are? You don't, you don't have yeah, bitterness think, easily? Or? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I, I'm, 
I would rather people just tell me something. I don't get offended. I just want to know, yeah, just tell me what you think. I, I, I like people being real with me. So that, yeah, anyway, so that's who I am. Um, yeah, and I think early on in my life, I just discovered that everybody's weird, including me, and that's fine. And so we're all, yeah, that's all right. So we can all just get on with being different. And that's, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the the interesting thing, and I don't know the answer to this um, or what I could have done different, but in some of the, we have had a number of men who've been that kind of explosive kind of person and their wife kind of following behind. And, um, and I've been friends with them. And so in, in one particular situation, we worked out that he wasn't telling her what he was telling us about himself even, like not even about the conflict. But so we're like, oh what do you do there? Like, I, and so I was, I felt this situation where I, I can't really, I don't want to go and kind of, I don't know, intervene in this marriage and try and sort, like, it's not my place mm. to try and get honesty happening here when I think there's, you know, so that I felt found, have found those kind of things difficult. What do you do with this wife where I think they're aware their husband is acting unhelpfully but how do? But it's my husband. They're unha- acting unhelpfully too, um, or one of the people. So what do I do? And so I, I, yeah, that's been a tricky thing. How do you minister to that wife? And I don't know that I can. I think I, so. I've I've had to leave that and or let them come to me rather than me come in, insisting that I be the one. I can't be the one. I think to then um, help them in that situation. So that's a that's a sadness because I I can still be friends with them, but I can't be as um, real with them as I would like to be. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So that's a tricky thing when. Um, yeah, in teams that that can happen, um, or even just with people that you're ministering with, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Great. Um, I might throw it over to a couple couple of questions from the floor. Yeah, it it hasn't happened to us in terms of. Um, it hasn't been a really public thing. Like the conflicts that have happened have kind of been quieter. So that's been a blessing. We have friends at the moment who their 10-year-old has depression because the church is being, it's a Baptist church and they're kicking them out. It's just awful. And yeah, and I just, yeah, I'm cross <laughs> about that because it's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, no, generally not. And our blessing is our eldest has some hearing loss and really doesn't care about relationships. So he's never listening. <laughs> Our youngest, she's onto it, but um, she was younger at the time when we were having major things. So yeah, <laughs> so that that is a blessing. The other thing I think is a blessing in in planning a church was um, I, I loved it. One day, one of the kids said, oh, "I know who's the boss of church." I was like, "Oh yeah, who's that?" Him, and it's the guy in charge of morning tea who was really strict and <laughs> structured about it. I was like, "All oh, right, okay." Um, yeah, so they, it just wasn't a big thing that Dave. Like I think in a more traditional church you know that your father's the pastor or the priest or whatever. But um, they saw other people get up and lead the meeting and then they'd go off to kids' church or whatever and he'd preach or they might see him do it sometimes but not all the time. So when we prayed for Dave going off to night church because he's going to tell people about Jesus, well, of course, everyone else would probably be doing the same thing for their father. Do you know what I mean? So it, it never became a big thing for them. Yeah. yeah so our, our, kids, our kids thought the guy on morning tea was the, the boss of the church. And there was another girl, there was another kid in church that thought I was Jesus for a while. So, anyway, there Is you that because you had long hair or that was... We've probably got time for one, one more question and then we're going to break up into uh, blokes, and, blokes and women. Do you feel you can't have friends within the church? 
So the question is, where do you get friends from? Yeah. Are they outside the church? Are they inside the church? Yeah. Uh, so I am friends with lots of people in church, but not. I wouldn't describe many of them as deep friendships. Uh, and uh, and I, I feel, yeah, I feel that sort of tension. So, but I, so I think there are genuine, genuine healthy relationships that I have with a whole bunch of people. And I think you need to have an expansiveness to, to your love for the brothers and sisters. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, and, and, and there are certain people that I connect with very well and who are not very demanding and we have good relationship, um, but probably my deepest relationships are still outside the church. So some of the peers that I went through college with, or um, you know, from former days, and we catch up uh, a couple of times a year.